Tim Beers. I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Tim Beers. We talk a little bit about soccer, beer, and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about. Pretty much. So, uh, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. good. It's been it's a while. Been, yes, it has. Well, we, uh, 721 was the last record date. <laughs> so, we are just short. What is it? 812? Yeah. About three weeks. Three weeks. Long time. Well, we had, you know, stuff going on. Life happens, baby. You had some traveling. A little traveling and brew fast. Some international traveling. I believe the last time I recorded was like a couple days before Brewfest. That was nuts. Yeah, so we got a lot of stuff to kind of go over. Uh, <laughs> a lot of beer to talk about. This one might be a long podcast. Ton of stuff. But uh, Portland Tim Beers. Or Tim Burrs. I think they should change their name to the Tim Beers. <laughs> they can be uh, the running beer bottle logo for uh, the soccer team logo. <laughs> What do you think our uh, supporters group would be called? I don't know. Come on. I was throwing the softball out there, yeah, baby. Yeah, and I'm not hitting it. <laughs> I'm not hitting it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so what do you think of those Timbers? We're going to win the championship? No. What? No. What? I'm not a hater, but no. Oh, my Lord. First, first we have to qualify for the playoffs. Right. So... We're, we're just hovering a little too close to that line for my comfort. We are. To actually be in it. But, I, I, you know, 2015 we did somewhere, right? Yeah, right. We, I mean, we're ball hugging the line yeah. until the very end, and then we caught. Then, what, then we caught fire. Fire in a bottle, baby. Fire in a <laughs> bottle. Look at the little fireflies. <laughs> the, the magic is real. That's real. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. You and I are aligned totally on this. I think we hover that magic line all the way to the end. And it'll depend on which side uh, of the line we end up on, largely based upon how the refs are going to call handballs. Huh. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. You see Mike Petke got fired from Real Salt Lake? Really? Yep. Fired. Boom. Gone. Done. Jeez. They uh, supposedly had a bunch of homophobic homophobic slurs, is the way it was said. Yeah. Um, the actual language that they think he said didn't look truly homophobic. He basically said a bunch of Mexican slang for the lower female anatomy to the refs. Oh, boy. And then he went and made a sign in the locker room, like a banner sign, and brought it out and, like, showed the referees this sign. So he went, like, total WWE on, like, the refs. Oh, my God. (laughs) So. Hey. They suspended him for two weeks. He's expressing himself. (laughs) So, and I guess it's not the first time he's, like, been borderline with some other stuff and not just the, the photocopier rant and some of that stuff yeah fiery dude yeah well would you take him as your coach no <laughs> why um a little loose cannony or well, not enough not yeah, enough wins i i think there's you know a little too too loose cannony um especially in the environment today right you you really don't want somebody that's just gonna sit there and Pour fuel all over every fire they see. 
Totally. Um, you, you, you've got to have somebody with a little more tact um, that can navigate that a little better. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't take him. Yeah, he's, uh, again, I, I agree. I think he's a little bit of a loose cannon. I don't think he's got enough wins under his belt to be um, that that in your face, that cocky, that arrogant. Right. Um, but I certainly respect a guy with a lot of drive and just competitive energy. So, um, but I wouldn't have him coach my team. What I would love is him and Caleb Porter team up in Columbus. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe a little Jason Kreiss action, do the triad. Can, can you imagine that sideline? That That's a whole lot of moxie going wow. on. Yeah. <laughs> that sideline would be insane. Yeah. So, but, uh, well. I don't know whose ego would like uh, survive in that locker room. I think it'd be like the bro club, him, Christ, and Porter. Jesus. Well, so yeah, Timbers are uh, what we won three to one. Looked pretty good uh, at the game that we saw yeah. on the weekend. Right, it looked pretty decent. Um, I've seen a lot worse, but we we beat Vancouver, which was great. Because that's just another notch in our belt for for the uh, Cascadia Cup rivalry, but um, we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, I think the uh, the cool thing is the Cascadia Cup is again kind of what we're driving at now that we've lost the uh, U.S. Open Cup. <laughs> yeah. So wow, um, the shit show that was. Watch, watch that from a mountain hut in Zermatt, Switzerland. Um, and I was like, why in the hell did I stay up till two a.m. to watch this shit show? Yeah. To have the yeah. refs decide this game. So on just absolute crap yet again. Yeah, crap call. But again, if the Timbers had done what they needed to do as far as score, we wouldn't have had that issue. Yeah, there's no, no. issue. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so totally agree. It, it's one of those things that it's a shitty call, but it shouldn't have come down to the shitty call. We should have just won. Right. Um, and I think the guys are tired. I think there's a lot of games being played. I think there's a hundred different things going on. But even in the first Minnesota game, Darwin Quintaro wasn't even playing. He was sitting no. up in the boxes, yeah. and we still couldn't beat him. Still couldn't so. beat him. So, yeah, I think interesting. Yeah. And, and that that brings up a really interesting point. Everybody that you talk to these days is like, "Oh, yeah, we're going to do well because we've got games in hand." Yeah, Jesus. But then when you look at those games in hand, it we've got a really tight playing schedule with those games in hand like a wednesday saturday game or a wednesday sunday game that are i mean that wears a team down super super quick almost as much as road games do i 100 percent agree you can have nine or ten home games in a row but if they're wednesday saturday then your team's just getting smoked yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how this thing shakes out because, again, I don't think the guys there's not enough rest time. I mean, they're just playing back to back to back games, and um, that's I, that's I a mean, tough one, man. I mean, your guys can be the best in shape that they can possibly be, and that kind of schedule is going to wear them down. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so Brewfest. What did you think of the Brewfest, my friend? I don't Largely remember. successful? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, I, I really like the format this year of them focusing strictly on Oregon and not not bringing out anything uh, outside or. To take that one step further, it wasn't just Oregon. It was Oregon and first-time releases, which was good to see. So we we weren't seeing the same thing that we'd see, like we've talked about on, on later on earlier podcasts, where you can go pretty much to any tap house and do your own mini brew fast uh, at any given time. So it was really good to see just different ideas, different beers. The funny thing was, is I did see some some um, some themes going on down there. With lots that, of big themes, yeah. Um, a lot of goses being brewed. Um, I think that was the main one that I saw. Just, just a lot of goses, a lot of. Uh, uh, I think there was a couple sours too, but um, I think the main theme was definitely the Gose theme. That that surprised me. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't have expected to see that. Yeah, it's um. So let's re back up a little bit. OBF 2019 was strictly about Oregon beers, as you noted, and they decided to like say, "Hey, look, we don't want just regular OBFs." So, hey, Deschutes, don't bring your Black Butte Porter. Um, what we want is one-offs, stuff that people have not seen before. Right. So the brewers got together, and about 80% of the beers were brand-new beers, not on the market, stuff that people hadn't seen. The other 20% were not regular beers that you've seen, but were not one-offs. That was something that they brewed before but maybe put a twist on. Right. So interesting change because two years ago on the podcast, we sat with Art, and Lawrence of the OBF and his question was why are people not coming to OBF what are the changes that we need to make and I know him, Chris and the other folks involved with the OBF were again very interested for feedback about how to grow OBF or how to sustain the growth OBF has seen over the years and our comment was to do just that. You've got to convince me to get out of the growler shop um, because Everything OBF had offered up till this year was stuff I could go to a local growler place and get. Right. So why am I going to go hang out with a bunch of drunk college kids on a Friday night if you're serving the same crap? I'm going to sit in my growler shop a couple blocks from my house and have my own brew fest and probably cheaper um, and certainly more convenient. So OBF took that to heart and actually made some significant changes, and I think it was largely successful. I haven't seen the final numbers, but it seemed like uh, it was busy while we were there for longer, and people were more enjoyable about some of the beer that was there. Yeah, very definitely. So interesting stuff, um, but I again, I think the changes were largely successful. Um, we certainly won't take um, any credit with that, but I think that... Um, they listened to a lot of different people that were saying the same thing and made those changes. So we start off each year with going to, I think this was our fourth or fifth year of doing the Brewers brunch and then marching the parade over. If you haven't done that fantastic experience, um, it's a host brewery for the OBF that kicks it off. Yeah, next year it's gigantic, which is kind of cool. And um, this year it was ecliptic. And so John Harrison friends uh, hosted a breakfast 
Uh, what'd you think of the breakfast up there at Ecliptic? Yeah, I thought it was decent. Um, what'd you think of the bacon? Uh, <laughs> their first shot at the bacon um, was a little raw. A little raw. Right. Uh, I, Tim went back for seconds, and the second shot, they actually got it right. Yeah, the first shot looked um, like it was boiled bacon. <laughs> so. yeah, and and I don't know what happened there. I don't know if they were just trying to get it out because right. people were already there or what the deal was. But yeah, it it was. I wouldn't have eaten it. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Um, I, and I didn't eat it. I looked at it, and was like, no, I'm not having bacon today. Yeah, it was. Um, again, decent breakfast. They did a good job. They're funneling hundreds of people through this thing. I think the sign-in was a lot better this year to get into the thing. Yeah, flow went really well. Yeah, I years, was uh, really impressed with the flow. Years past, we sat outside forever or had to get there super early and no issues th- this right. year at all. First year at Ecliptic for, I think, first time ever at Ecliptic by you and I. Yeah, um, very definitely the first time for me. Major brewery, things are happening, kind of a mover and shaker in the brew scene right now but just has not been our radar, probably because of geography. It's a pain in the ass for us to get from where yeah. we're at to there. Um, and I'll apologize ahead of time to all the east side breweries. I'm just not a big east side guy. Right. Never have been. Even though you're Mr. Steinbart's now, Mr. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got to get supplies somewhere. Yes. Um, and I just happen to be on that side getting some stuff for paddle boards and was like you know what i'm already here i'm only a couple blocks away i'll just go get the rest of my stuff that i need to brew when i'm gonna brew so that's what i did no it totally worked out um so all sorts of beers this year you mentioned some themes we saw a lot of gose yeah they had ciders there was about what 10 to 20 ciders that we saw there were a, a, a major selection of ciders this year yeah um some really good beers that you would never thought uh to try if you were at a growler place um or a tap house so it was, it was really cool to see that. Um, I don't have my cheat sheet with me on, on what all I had there. And I marked one specifically that I thought was best in show. Um, and I don't know if you remember this beer or not. Um, what was the style on it? That's the problem. I'm not remembering the style. It was a, it was a barrel-aged um, and I'm trying to think of what the heck it was, but well, I'll run through a few. I've got some marked on Untapped. I mean, obviously we yeah. were going nuts on Untapped. Um, so my best to show um, was a Gose, and no surprise from you, um, I'm kind of a Gose freak right now. I don't know what's <laughs> yeah, going on with me. Freaking salty dog, salty, is what you are. salty sour beer, great. <laughs> um, but I mean, I tried every Gose in the place and. I'm still looking for goses. I'm like, hey, you got a good gose? Nuts. Um, so Vermilion Sour by Little Beast was okay. Um, we haven't been out to Little Beast. You and I just talked about visiting them. Yeah. Doing some crazy Belgian stuff. Uh, they were over at West, was it West Side or West End? Uh, over in Beaverton. Westgate. West Tap Gate. House. Westgate. Yeah. Um, for a while, and then they moved downtown. But doing some crazy stuff. Um Kind of that Degard type feel, where they're they're doing some experimenting and 
and and being fun with their particular style. So, right. Um, and so their little beast uh, vermilion sour was definitely sour. So Whitaker series number ten that was an Incasi Brew Farmhouse Ale Saison. Okay. Um, but the one that kind of shook me up was that maple syrup. I couldn't get the freaking thing out of my glass. Yeah, the, uh, that, double that, stack by Great Notion. Yeah, that smell kind of stuck with us <laughs> even on the train. Um, oh yeah, it was nuts. We were smelling that for hours afterwards. So the funny thing is, the girls we met, uh, Jasmine and Lauren, were and their friend were going back for that like left and right. Yeah, super sweet beer, yeah. but lots of maple syrup. Lots of maple. Crazy stuff. Um, but as I go down here, Captain Pitt the Cherry Pirate by Sandy M. Brewing is one that stuck stuck out for me. Is that the one that was done in Captain Morgan's Barrel? Um, that was done in Captain Morgan's Barrel, but it was the half uh, cherry cider, half their pirate uh, coconut beer. Oh, yeah. So And that was one of the first ones, and I was like, ooh, like crap. Um, there was the King of the Forest. Pinot-aged sour brown ale by our friends over at Wolf Tree. Yep. Yep. So yep. they're the ones that do the spruce tip stuff and all that. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting stuff. Uh, Fruity Fruity Pebbles Elk by Elkhorn Brewing. It's an IPA milkshake, but done with Fruity Pebbles. Fruity And the pebbles. grain bill on it was a shit ton of Fruity, fruity Pebbles. <laughs> yeah, so um, crazy stuff. A bunch of, I would say, a handful of summer sessionable stouts. So we tonight are drinking a uh, cherry stout by Walking Man. And this kind of goes in line with the Brewfest in that there was just, there's a good, what, four or five different stouts there. Yeah, um, I mean, they, they specifically even had a summer stout. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of impressive. Uh, rock out with your guac out. It was a guacamole based beer. So it was a bunch of people doing different things, not making a straight IPA or lager. They were trying different things. This was okay. I'm not a big guacamole guy. I know a lot of people are digging the guac and the avocados lately, but yeah, you just don't like anything green. Nothing green, baby. Yeah. No lettuce. <laughs> like, like green beans. If it's green, you avoid it. <laughs> so. Uh, Fancy Umbrella Drink by Berlick was fantastic. Uh, got four and a half from me. Um, and that was a sour gose. So, interesting little gose. Uh, trying to look for yours here as we go through. And yours was a barrel, you think? Yeah, it was definitely barrel aged. It was, and it. I think it was a... It's either like a Captain Morgan's barrel or a Jack Daniels barrel or something. But it... Huh. Well, there was Deschutes, which had the Marionberry Lavender Sour Ale. What would you think of that one? Yeah, I didn't drink it. <laughs> didn't drink it. Um, yeah, Lavender Kills. Um, bad plant. Rotten. Should never never be planted anywhere. <laughs> they had this uh, tricky one that was, in the, in hindsight, in the cider block of trailers. All I saw was guava peach, and in my head I read Gose. Yeah. Um, and so I went and got a big taster of that. And it wasn't? No, it was a freaking cider. Yeah. Guava cider. Peach cider. Go. Yeah, not good. I'm not a big up. cider guy. <laughs> uh, the Nectarine Sour Ale by Ecliptic Brewing was interesting. That was the cask that we had. We also had that at the brewery yeah. direct, at the yeah. brunch. So fantastic beer. Um, that was a ceremonial cask, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So and then, of course, the brewery kicks ass. Um, at Starburst IPA, the Tacana Tangerine Sour, the Phobos Single Hop Red IPA. And we had like four or five beers there before we even left yeah, for the brew I'd, fest. We tried pretty much everything they had. Yeah. Um, just because we could. Just because we could. Ordnance brought lighthearted lager, a bunch of lagers. Stressful Pills, Hawaii Five O Worthy Brewing, Port Sipper by Vanguard was a pale, Raspberry Eagle by Cascade Lakes, Happy Day Hells by Fearless, if you need to sound familiar, Griffin's Gose by Lucky Lab. If I remember right, that was, yeah, I gave it a four. Kind of like that. Tapache, remember that one? That was that banana or coconutty type Mexican drink. Yeah. Yeah, by L.A. Brutori. Again, people doing some crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. So, in all, I think it was fantastic. Um, I got the chance to sit down with Art Lawrence. Uh, again, he's kind of a kind of a role model slash icon in the beer area for many of us. Um, we try to sit down with him once a year, do a brief interview. Yeah. Um, and so, let's roll that interview. And then uh, the other cool thing is we sat down with John Harris of Ecliptic Brewing, massive brew legend, um, has been with a bunch of breweries and been successful, and finally opened his own with Ecliptic, Ecliptic and is like going off the charts with Ecliptic. So. Now, now, an interesting thing about him yeah, is he is the only person to have brewed a beer for every single brew fest. Yeah, pretty amazing, huh? Yeah, it's just mind-boggling. So, been around a long time doing his thing. So, all right, with that, let's roll the interviews and then we'll come back and talk more a little bit about beer and Brewfest. All right, Jason from the Timbers here. Go, go, bro. <laughs> I'm here with uh, John and Art. So, two legends. Uh, we're at Ecliptic Brewing, John's uh, brewery here, where the Brewers Brunch is being held this year. Um, and then Art Lawrence, who's been on the show in the past. Um, thank you, gentlemen, for a wonderful Brewers Brunch and what appears to be a gorgeous day uh, for the Brewers Festival. So thank you for doing that. So, Art, let's talk a little bit about the changes for the Brewfest this year. So you guys have made some pretty radical changes, a big shift uh, from what's been going on in the last, what, decade or so. Yeah, we listened to all of you folks that have been going to the festival for years and tried to implement some changes, tried to bring in Oregon beers. We've had a lot of comments from the past with brewers going, hey, this is the Oregon Brewers Festival. How come I'm not in it? Well, we had to make selections. In the past, we've always had 14 to 17 states represented, and we brought international brewers. This year, we decided to go all Oregon and try to get as many first releases as we can because there's always a lot of other festivals before us, and sometimes uh, people go, why should I go to the Oregon Brewers Festival? I've already had that beer before. So part of this is an experiment, experience to uh, allow people to drink a beer they haven't had before. Then we made some changes at the park, trying to take more utilization of the trees that are down there. Because in the last few years, we've been getting warmer and warmer weather. And when it gets up into 95 degrees, people don't drink as much. They sit around or maybe they stay at home in the air conditioning. So that's uh, one of the big changes we've done this year is change the park up a little bit. We've gone from Wednesday through Saturday. We've dropped the Sunday part of it 
trying to create more interest during the week. Sunday was kind of a slow day, so we're going to end on a high note on Saturday. And here we are with John at his brewery, and it's his birthday today, and we're having a big party here today. And John's been to all the festivals, and so it's kind of a nice culmination to come up here on his birthday and at his brewery and do a march downtown. This will be a 1.8-mile hike. But it's a it's long down, hike. It's downhill. <laughs> downhill for half a mile. Yeah. <laughs> that's flat. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I always get excited. This morning I'm going, man, I've waited a whole year for this yes. day today. Yes. <laughs> it's been, it feels like it's been a long time and a long roll. So we got off the little Max train from uh, the Russell Street thing down the way. And I'm like, man, we still got like a half mile to go. This parade is going to be absolutely intense, but no train lines that are going to stop us this year at all. So Evidently not. Yeah, we'll be going all the way down the hill, then up a little bit of it, and um, I think I'll be in a pedicab, so uh, John probably will too. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Art, I appreciate your time here. So, John, tell us a little Thank bit you. about Yeah, absolutely. Take care. So, tell us a little bit about Ecliptic, uh, what you've got going here. Um, I'm kind of a, a not a very good person because I haven't been to Ecliptic before. So I've been all over the state and all over. Back when we were really open. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. This is not really open, but I'm drinking this Starburst. I love it. Fantastic. No, I mean, last year, uh, Ninkasi Brewery was the host, and they uh, honored us by picking the, um, who would, us to be the, the lead the parade and host the brunch next year. So we got the mallet, the mallet from them last year, and uh, we're stoked to have everybody here. And I didn't think the city would let us march from here, but uh, they're letting us march from here, so that's pretty cool. It seems like a pretty direct route, like compared to especially years from the past where we've done it and had to weave through the industrial corridor and interrupt stuff. I mean, this seems like a pretty direct route down to the waterfront. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it'll be, like Art said, about a little over a mile, mile and a half. It's yeah. Only bad. So, well, happy birthday, by the way. So, what can you tell us a little bit about what you're bringing to the Brewfest this year? Uh, this year, uh, earlier this, um, back in like March, uh, um, Oregon Fruit Products announced they had some key lime uh, puree. And I was like, damn, that sounds tasty. So we bought it and put it in our cooler, and we made a key lime goza for the festival. So it's a German-style goza, which has salt and coriander, but then you got, we added a little bit of that uh, a tart um, um, key lime puree. So it's a really nice, just, like, if, when it gets to 80 degrees today, it's a perfect beer just to quench your thirst. Okay. So how long have you guys been open here at Ecliptic? Uh, we're coming up on our sixth year in October. Okay. I thought it was about that time. So I remember coming up, I go up to Mr. Green Beans. I'm a coffee roaster as well. Oh, right. And he's right up there. I, so one of the only places I can buy whole beans. But I remember when you guys first opened up into this spot, I was like, wow. I mean, they've got actually a good vantage point and kind of this entry and storm breakers here. There's a nice little cluster effect going here. Um, but you guys have grown tremendously. I go into any grocery store, I can find ecliptic bearing, uh, beer. So, I mean, what's what's going on with your guys' growth plan? How big is too big for you guys? I mean, what what do you guys want to be? Oh, we've definitely grown more than I... We're bigger than I thought we'd be. Really? Um, we'll do close to 20,000, probably 20,000 barrels this year. So uh, that's up from about 14 last year. So, um, no, we're, we're growing. We started canning beer, and people like cans. And they drink our Starburst and our seasonal beers. And so, so. That's my rafting choice of beer. So if I'm on the river, I'm grabbing that. So, yeah. so but. no. But otherwise, no. It's um, you know, we're uh, we're pretty much kind of maxed out our capacity of our brewery, which will be about twenty-five thousand barrels. So we got some, still have a little bit of room to grow. Okay. So again, what's what separates your growth from? There's a lot of contracture within the Portland market now, and we've seen contracture before in the late '90s and things like that, and things settle out. But why are you growing and others are not? I mean, what's your secret sauce going? <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, we're, we're a newer brewery, and um, you know, a lot of the breweries that um, are having some declines are, are older breweries, and um, 
we're a new, we're a new brewery with a new product, and uh, I mean, we're trying to give the market what the flavors they like, and we listen to the the, the consumers and our, our guests and customers, and just try to give them a beer that they're gonna find uh, they want to drink. So new and sexy is what's selling right now, and and old and. Well, I don't want to say that. I mean, but just just it's just all these. I mean, when it was when I started brewing, there was five breweries in Oregon. Right. right? I mean, and that, actually, no, that's yeah, one, two, three. Four breweries in Oregon when I started brewing, and now there's—I have no idea—hundreds. Right. So it's just—it's a market where um, I know that, like, you know, like, I mean, there's 30-year-old kids now who's watch their parents drink 30-year-old beer, mm-hmm. and so lots of times, you know, people are looking for something new and different, and we just happen to be new and different. Yep. Well, I appreciate your time. Happy birthday again, man! Wonderful party. So perfect setting for what's going on here. And uh, we'll be out to we'll be out to visit soon. So we'll call your people and hopefully come out and take a tour of the brewery and maybe do more of a formal interview. Yeah, just let me know. Love cool. to have you, John. Appreciate it. Thank Good you. The yeah, absolutely, man. Massive Woody for both those guys. Yeah, there you have it. Two legends in the beer brewing community here. Art Lawrence, John Harris, um, John. John's doing some humble things there. I mean, I was listening to that back. And then talking about his success versus uh, why others are failing. And I think he's not giving himself enough credit, humble dude, because they're doing something right there. Yeah, very First, definitely. And he's he's got to be part of that secret sauce. I mean, this guy's pedigree. I mean, he starts brewing. Um, he's been brewing for over 30 years. He was part of McMenamin's Hillsdale Brew Pub, which is where all the original brewer guys kind of came out of for McMenamin's. Left to become the head brewmaster and the founding brewmaster over at Deschutes in about 88. And then became the brewmaster at Full Sail in 92. So you think about McMenamin's, founding brewmaster at Deschutes, and then moves over to Full Sail. That pedigree, holy balls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then he goes and he joins uh, or opens up Ecliptic Brewing in 2013 where he's the brewmaster and owner. And he's run away with this thing. I mean, him and Gigantic are just, like, knocking the crap out of everybody right now. Right. So, pretty crazy stuff. But, again, a lot of that credit, I think, has to go to him. The places he's been have been very successful. And Ecliptic's very successful right now. So, cool stuff. And then, of course, the changes with art that Art made. Again, there's not a lot of guys, not a lot of founders that would be that humble that would listen to people and listen to their opinions and then make changes um oftentimes guys egos get in the way i know mine would flat out and not make those changes so when i think i think one of the awesome changes that he did mention too was just the park change up um when you went went down the waterfront um it used to all be one side and this year they flipped it up so that in the afternoon the part that wasn't under the tents was actually under trees yep so it was very well shaded uh brilliant move on that in my opinion um and 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 then I think he even alluded to it a little bit in there the interview uh very conducive to more beer drinking going on yeah, that eh, helped the temperature was right. I still managed to get freaking sunburned again this year. But <laughs> that being said, it was still uh, still a good time and um, great beer selection, great people, not too out of control. 
Um, I think we had a good time, my friend. Yeah, you sunburned because you're a pasty-faced northerner. Yeah, well, yeah, that's me. I mean, it just happens. I don't, I don't have any of that Cherokee blood in me no, like you. No, you can't avoid it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're done. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to die of sarcoma or some nasty skin disease because of my pasty skin. I'm not talking about the pasties on my nipples, baby. Oh, boy. Here we go. There it was. So, yeah, 33rd Annual Brewfest, uh, massive success, and um, big thanks to Art and uh, John Harris. Yeah. So we challenged Tim at the Brewer's Brunch to do a sit-down with uh, the Unipiper. The Unipiper, yes. Um, You and I were like, well, Tim, that's a great interview for you. Great interview for Tim. And so Tim went and chased down the Unipiper. who rode a unicycle all the way down to the waterfront um, and had a green helmet, a Darth Vader helmet, and did the whole bagpipe thing and all that. Turns out the guy's a home brewer, I believe, and, yes, and he loves is a beer. Home brewer. Yeah. So let's. I have not listened to this interview. Let's see how it goes. Um, thanks to the Unipiper for sitting down with us and uh, talking a little bit with our our what would we call Tim? Third wheel mascot. Yeah. Something like that. Namesake. All right, Unipiper. Hey, this is Tim, uh, the unofficial co-host of the Portland Tim Beers. Um, I'm at the Oregon Brewers Festival brunch today with the Unipiper. Uh, Remind us, introduce yourself, please. My name is uh, Brian, the Unipiper Kid. And I, I can't believe that you're not the main host of the podcast with a name like Tim and the podcast of eating Tim Beers. They didn't name it after you? Well, they did. Uh, I like to think they do. Uh, I was the one that introduced them to beer, and uh, they introduced me to the Timbers, so it's it's an even match. Okay. I see today that you're rolling out your Timbers uh, Darth Vader helmet. Yeah. Tell me a little about that that, that helmet. Uh, so, yeah, I took your standard uh, Darth Vader helmet everyone knows and loves and uh, gave it a Portland makeover. So basically draped the city of Portland flag right on top and uh, hand-painted it and so, uh, you know, that's how we, we, I combine things, you know, in this case, Portland and Star Wars and beer and bagpipes and unicycles and fire, you name it. Excellent. So if you're, when you're not riding the unicycle, um, where, where are we going to find you drinking a pint? Uh, my uh, haunt of choice would uh, be the horse brass. Uh, always has been, and that's, that's uh, where I just love uh, their beer selection and uh not far right in the neighborhood so yeah but of course there's so many places to drink in portland you know it's uh always good to go try someplace new as well excellent well i appreciate your time we i we i'm curious share one of your uh one of your favorite memories of uh being the unipiper and uh representing our great city and keeping us weird uh Every single year, I look forward to the Brewers Festival. It like truly is my favorite time of the year in Portland. I don't think there's anything else in Portland that brings out the Portland spirit, like everyone hanging out on the waterfront and having a beer together. And so that's why I, I love to show up there and just blast by on my unicycle with the bagpipes. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to get people excited in the Brewfest to start a cheer. And uh, the, the bagpipes seem to be that little nudge that everyone needs and erupt into a raucous, you know, cheer. And that's that's his Portland to me. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time. On behalf of the Tim Beers, uh, this is Tim. We'll uh, talk to you guys later. There you have it. I'm speechless. I was about to say third co-host, unofficial (laughs) co-host. Third co-host. 
<laughs> the Uniwheel. Introduced me to beer. Yeah, that's nuts. I taught you how to homebrew, you little knucklehead. What the heck? I believe yeah. you drank my homebrew in high school. Yeah, it's just Tim. <laughs> Tim. Tim and his Tim. timelines. <sighs> All right. Well, excellent interview. I'll give him credit. Yeah. I, I liked it. Yeah, he did yeah. a good job. Um, just for the record, the uh, podcast was not named after Tim. Um, obviously it's a play on timbers and beer <laughs> um, yeah. so we'll just roll with that but huh, yeah. um, because your name is Tim you're now our official mascot so we're going to make Tim dolls wearing Tim Beers t-shirts and we'll hand them out to all the kids wow you like that? are they going to be um, uh, what are they? voodoo doll dolls? They could be, and every time you squeeze the nipple, Tim feels it. <laughs> or stick him somewhere. Stick him? Where would you stick him? I'm not even going there. Why not? Nope. Yeah, chicken. Yep. Well, there you go. So the Unipiper, so he pedaled his way all the way down there playing the bagpipes and wearing the Darth Vader helmet. So, yes. Yeah. Um, and what bar did he say he likes to hang out at? Uh, the Horse Brass. The Horse Brass. There you go. Yeah. So... Haven't been to the Horse Brass, but uh, maybe we should frequent that bad boy and go hang with the Unipiper. Maybe. So, all right. Well, so then we uh, pedal with the Unipiper, or we walked, and the Unipiper rolled with Art and John, and walked the 52 miles down to the waterfront. <laughs> 52 miles. <laughs> it did feel like it, though. It Dude, it felt, was a long one, man. It felt forever. So then we get down there. Um, I had to pee, so I broke off and ran to Union Station. Yeah, I noticed that. You kind of disappeared and then uh, magically reappeared ahead of us. Ahead of the uh, deal, yeah. It was so, kind of crazy. Uh, your parade route was not very efficient. <laughs> Apparently not. So you zigged and zagged, and I'd walk yeah, the straight line. you so. just walked the straight line after peeing so we jump into there and then the uh brew fest always starts with the ceremonial cask so the host brewer this case ecliptic brewed a special beer john talked about it the uh lime puree go say that he did yes um fantastic very tart beer um i liked it and tim is our magical mascot to slip in and fill our beers uh uh, efficiently fighting the crowd. Yes, and, and the amazing thing was is, is he came back with a full beer and two half beers. Did he? Yeah. His was the full. <laughs> Ours was the two halves. What in the Oh, because he and, did, Yeah. And what he the the excuse he came up with was that his beer was what was used for the photo shoot. Mm-hmm. Interesting, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Knowing Tim as long as I have and traveling with Tim, I would not be surprised if that was a true story. No, it probably was. Um, but I also have drank enough with Tim to know that he generally uses our glasses to fill his glass. <laughs> and Because they usually only do half glasses. Yep. And so I'm guessing he filled one of the glasses or got, got, got all one of the pork. glasses filled. Yep. Filled them up and then handed them two empties. Yes. And yep. then they were like, oh. Okay, here you go. Yeah, and so yeah, we got a small beer. Yes. But oh well. He still filled our beer. We didn't have to wait in line. No, we did not. So as we're sitting there and waiting for our beers doing our thing. You did another interview. I broke off with the Gigantic crew who are next year's Grand Marshals. Yes. Um, and the thing, uh, I believe, will march from Gigantic, which will also be a long walk. <laughs> oh, yeah. So 
Um, let's go ahead and listen to that interview and see what's on tap. This one's going to be a little bit noisy. So no. as I'm doing the interview, the band fired off. So you have to listen closely, but definitely worth it. All right, Jason from the Timbeers. I'm here with Ben, the newly selected uh, Grand Marshal for next year. I guess not Grand Marshal, but the brewer for next year. The host, yeah. So big honor, huh? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, I've been coming to this festival since I turned 21. And so, I mean, to be selected as the host is something I've always really kind of dreamed about. So No, it's fantastic. And you guys are totally representative of kind of what's going on in the Portland beer scene right now and the Oregon beer scene. So talk to me a little bit about why you guys are making it right now and others aren't. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's really just a matter of we're making a lot of new beers and making, uh, you know, kicking in the nuts every day, just like working really hard at, at making good products and, uh, and keeping things interesting. You know, we have different labels, different artists to do all our labels. And so, um, you know, just trying to stay true to ourselves and, and stay unique and, and just kind of make our own way. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've been successful. No, that's fantastic. So I love going through the grocery store and then pointing to your guys' labels, right? So yeah. it's, it's sexy, it's relevant. Again, it's kind of, the labels are a little bit off, which is yeah, different from everything weird, else. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. So, so it draws people in. Recently, they're like, they're like, yeah, you know, people like, people like the idea weird, but a lot of times it doesn't work, but you guys managed to pull it off. Yeah, it's a cool you know? weird, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. and it's, it's, I mean, we let the artists do whatever they want to do, so it's not, it's not directed or anything like that, um, which, which I like, because I like to, you know, we get to make the beer we want to make, and the artist gets to do the, the label they want to do, so. Sweet. So what did you guys bring this year? What, what can we look forward to? Uh, so we did a collaboration with uh, Upright Brewing. So we actually have, we have two collaborations here, one brewed at our place, one at Upright, and the one that we did at Gigantic, uh, there's a new hop variety called Lotus, and Van. My partner, he's a big car geek. Uh, Alex is a big car geek. And so, you know, Lotus Cars, uh, it's a very famous car, very famous uh, designer and manufacturer there, uh, who basically, like, when he was asked how you make a car really fast, he's like, well, you just, you add lightness. And so that's our beer. So it's a, it's basically an India Pale Lager uh, hopped with Lotus hops, uh, which are pretty, you know, they're like, they're kind of fruity and a little citrusy. And, you know, really, I think it's kind of almost like an American pilsner in a way you know it's not it's not as hot as maybe an ipl might be but uh it's just at a really nice level and really shines through with all the the different aromas from the lotus uh and then the other beer that we did uh is alex brewed is uh flora rustica which he makes which uh has like i think like yarrow and some other spices in it and we blended that with uh some of our fantastic voyage that was aged in ransom uh vermouth barrels and so yeah so that one's like kind of wild and got a little bit of acidity and a lot of fun going on, a little vermouth, a lot of, a lot of different uh, herbs and spices. And I think, yeah, so we got two, two spectrums, you know? Absolutely, two totally off the wall type things and smooth lager, light and clean, and then something else that's going to shock the pants off everybody. So, all right, we're getting gassed out. So, cheers, buddy. All right, take care. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Take care. Just to clarify, that gas out wasn't from Jason's butt. Well, Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it was. Could have been that and the uh, George <laughs> and Thurgood. And the George Thurgood going on in the background. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that Woo! was a live band fired off. We're doing the interview right in front of the stage, and the next thing you know, it's like... Yeah, so. those guys didn't want to wait. Huge uh, thanks to Ben Love uh, for the time that you gave me um, there. Uh, ben comes from Pacific City and Pelican, and our friends over there kind of... Uh, did his thing over there, but also did some brewing in Wisconsin. 
and I believe Alderbrow. Um, so he also says he had his first beer at Horse Brass, much like the Univiper. Interesting. Yeah, so. Horse Brass is a common theme. Yeah, well, there it is. So, But with that, uh, Ben & Van, uh, their gigantic beer company or brewing company is uh, infamous in Portland and on Portland grocery store slash bottle shelves. Um, you can always tell because they got some funky artwork. They and, definitely uh, do. And so I guess when you're fighting the bigs and all that red and white and uh, red and white label stuff and the Miller Coors uh, blocks that are going on, you need funky artwork or something else to break up the monotony to get people to pay attention to your yeah, beer. And it's working. And it is. They're booming. It's and, definitely working. And it's not just because they have funky artwork. I mean, they have some great beers. Right. We've uh, demoed their Colstastic, uh, their ginormous uh, Imperial IPA. Of course, they have the Hellboy series stuff that's out. Um, but good beers, great marketing as far as their label work and some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I just looked at their location. So this is another one of those we have not ventured out to. It's at Southeast 26th. So that's 26 blocks <laughs> on the other side of the river. It's going to be a hell of a march. What do you think of that? Jesus, I might be on rollerblades. Hey, we should rollerblade like that uh, brewer from... No, 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 she was on roller skates. (laughs) Yeah, well, we have an interview with her, too. I'm thinking rollerblades for something that far. Rollerblades? Yeah. Why? A little bit easier to control. Well, there you go. At least in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Well, so um, the last interview that we have at the Brew Fest um, is e- one of the brewers for McMenamins. And so she won the McMenamins Brewers. All the McMenamins Brewers have a homebrew, or not homebrew, a brew festival. Yeah. And um, she won. And because she won, her beer got to be the beer that McMenamins brought to the Brew Festival. Which is pretty cool. That's fantastic. So. Um, huge, huge thing for her. Jenny, uh, during the parade, I convinced her to do a very brief interview. Um, but let's listen to my interview with Jenny. I tag these guys in to answer, like, really other no, questions? No, 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 you're it. You got no, this. No, yeah, they can be in it, whatever. No, but they, they've been around a lot longer than I have. So, <laughs> Jason, Jason with the Tim Beers. I'm here with Jenny with McMenamins <laughs> from Hillsdale, I'm told. So, winner of the Hillsdale Brew Competition, Brew Fest, right? Yes. Yeah? What'd you, what'd you brew that won? Uh, Rose City Brute IPA. Yeah? And so, is that what we're drinking here at the Brew Fest here soon? Yes. Okay. So, awesome. Uh, what made you pick that? I mean, are you a fan of the Brute? Did you just recognize the style, styles like popular right now? Yep. It was a new trend, and I was very curious, interested in the trend, and uh, I really wanted to make a pink IPA. Yeah? Yeah. Badass, dude. Yeah. So uh, how long have you been brewing for McMenamins? One year. One year? Yeah. What did you do prior to that? Uh, I worked for McMenamins prior to that. I just worked my way up. Okay. So Jen down at uh, in Salem, I brew, uh, interviewed last year about Black Widow and her Black Widow release. Huge fans of the Black Widow. So, And she was talking about females and McMenamins and how supportive the culture is for female brewing and all of that. Yes. Um, so we see a big shift within brewing. You have the beer for McMenamins this year uh, for the Brewfest. Do you see that as a push moving forward? More women in the brew field? I hope so. I hope so. Come it's, on. You're the, you're the barometer. A, it, it's, 
It's such a fantastic support system. These guys are my brothers. Right, right. I mean, just so much encouragement, so much support, all of it. Fantastic. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your time. Yeah. Yeah, take care. Appreciate Cheers. You. Yeah. There you have it, short and sweet. Jenny Aguello. Yeah. That was kind of fun. Yeah, she was, uh, she'd taken off her roller skates at that point. Yeah, that was probably a good thing. But we had no idea who the gal with the roller skates was yeah. earlier in the parade. And she ran over Tim. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then we met the mark, one of the marketing guys for McMinimins. And he's like, oh, the gal with the roller skates. She's the one that brought the beer. Yeah. You should talk to her. So it's then I went, worked out. Yeah. And then I went and talked to Jenny. And then she's like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm have one of these other guys that know something talk. And then her boss basically was like, no, nah, you need to you talk. Need to, you need to talk to these guys. It's your beer. Yeah. And she did awesome. She's fantastic. Yeah, she, she did wonderful. So. Um, a pink IPA, though. That's, a rosé uh, IPA. That's impressive. Brute IPA. Yes. Yes. So, and it was mighty fine at that. So, it definitely was brute. Um, it didn't have any whiny taste to it, but it definitely had some pink tones. Yeah. It was good. So, well, I think it was a successful brew fest. Um, I think we had a very good time at it. I'm interested to see what the numbers look like when they finally release uh, kind of what those final counts were and see if yeah. they deemed it as successful. Yeah. So see if they improved their numbers over last year. We should uh, reach out to Chris and see if she'd be willing to come on and talk about the brew fest. That would be kind of cool. And kind of do a, a wrap-up in like late September or yeah. October. So. Yeah, that'd be badass. Um, well, and then I took off literally about uh, 24 hours later. <laughs> yeah, it literally was. <laughs> on an airplane <laughs> and um, went to Europe with the family and was gone for two weeks, a little over two weeks uh, with the family. Yeah, a little Team Rogers. And so we um, traveled in four different countries, five different countries, and um, of course, Knowing me, I've scouted out uh, the craft breweries in each location. Yeah. Um, beer is pretty strictly controlled. There's a couple things about beer in Europe. So one of the things is the German purity law, which is beer is only made with certain things, and this is what beer is, and this is what beer looks like, and this is what beer will be. Sure. And anything not like that is not beer, right. according to the Germans. Small beverage. Right. So craft brewers are having a very hard time because people don't want to drink malt beverage. Um, and so in, in Germany, though, right? Um, no. Or is it like spread from Germany? It's spread from Germany. I mean, a lot of people are like not really receptive. Um, and part of that is what we see here in the States. So really the grand, more grander application of this thing is a lot of these <laughs> a lot of these. German beers um, are big beer companies. And the Heinekens and the Polliners and all of those guys control market share, Mm. control shelf space, control tap handles, control all of that. Um, And it's been okay because for a long time, German beer and Czechoslovakian beer and all those beers were really, really good and they still are. Um, but the craft beer thing happening in the United States is really starting to transform and change things within Europe. And you're starting to see craft brewers experiment with different ingredients, different styles, different yeasts. And so it's kind of cool because it's what craft beer was in Oregon and Washington in the late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. 
where you have little pop-ups happening. Um, and the cool thing is it's not just men doing this. It's women-owned brewing and nice. breweries. And it's men opening breweries. Yeah. And it's German brewmasters coming out of brewmaster school and then going to different countries and opening a brewery or starting a brewery. Um, and so there's some really, really, really cutting-edge stuff coming out. And uh, but they're having the same problem that we're having here in the states against Budweiser and those guys. <laughs> Damn big brewers, where the bigs are squishing the smalls. Yeah. So um, I targeted breweries in each of the cities I went to. Um, I went to Munich, started the trip there. Went to Innsbruck, um, and went to a craft brewery and a craft bottle shop there. I went to Murren and Interlaken and uh, scheduled interviews with a brewery in Interlaken. And then I went to Zermatt and sat down with a brewery in Zermatt. Um, And then I went to, where did I go? Now, Zermatt Uh, is Switzerland. Switzerland, yep. For all the the listeners out there that aren't uh, 100% on their geography. Where the Matterhorn is. Yeah. And then ended up going to Chamonix, France, and actually made the biggest stab at craft brewing in Chamonix, France. Some pretty cool stuff happening there. Um, And met with a bottle shop, two different breweries. And then finally we ended up uh, in Geneva, and I didn't hit any breweries. I was all bearded out and drank out and ready to go home in Geneva. Um, But that being said, there's craft breweries popping up in each of those cities and actually doing very, very well. So um, what I propose is the next podcast that we've got, we should listen to some of those interviews. Um, and then we have a coordinated interview. We're trying to coordinate with um, uh, Chamonix, one, wasn't it? one of the breweries in Chamonix. Yeah, yeah so uh, we'll do that. And then I'm also trying to lock up an interview with uh, the brewer out of Interlochen that I happen to miss. So I think we can do two live interviews and then do the three record interviews that I have, and it will go very well. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. Sounds great. So next episode, we will have uh, European beers and stuff from, again, those brewers. Uh, We'll post it in the show notes so that you can see what's coming up next time. We'll also have some live interviews, uh, real-time interviews, as it it is, uh, from Europe. So with some folks that uh, we visited and tried their beers. so The Eurozone. What else? Anything else popping up? What are we drinking now? Something dark. Something dark. Something Poured dark. another darkie. Crux Some Stout. Crux's Stout. Got this little bad boy over at uh, Trader Joe's. Four bucks for this little stout, um, which kind of blew me away, which is why I bought it. <laughs> that um, is cheap for a stout. It is. I was like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> So, but this is just their basic little stout they've got, and it's 7.7%, about four and a half bucks over at Trader Joe's right now. It's really good. Yeah, there's nothing too crazy, no bunch of cherry in it, so. Yeah. So tonight we've had the Walking Man Cherry Stout and the Crook Stout, and we've talked a lot about the Brewfest and beers. Massive thanks to uh, Jenny, big thanks to Ben over at Gigantic. Um, awesome interviews with John Harris of uh, Ecliptic and Art Lawrence of OBF Cascade and what used to be the Raccoon Lodge. So I guess it's all Cascade Brewing now. Yeah. Um, but big thanks. So The Unipiper. Oh, and our Unipiper, Portland's very own. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
All right. Well, buddy, let's close this thing out. Uh, We will be back in about a week or so and hook you up with these interviews from Europe. And then uh, in the meantime, we'll be visiting some local breweries here, getting some more stuff in there. Cool, cool. Cool, cool. All right. Tim Beers.